As business owners or people who manage different business areas, we often run into problems that need solutions that we may or may not have to hand. Sometimes those solutions are about getting more information and increasing the bandwidth that we have available to deal with them. And sometimes it's about finding the right technology or the right person to handle something. And for some people, finding a recurring problem in a business means just building a software empire from the ground up to take care of it. Today, I'm talking to Alex Sanfilippo, host of the Podcasting Made Simple podcast and founder of the PodPro suite of tools, which includes Podmatch and Podcast SOP. Lots of people get started in podcasting, but quickly find themselves overwhelmed by the sheer volume of work involved in the different elements, from guest management to post-production tasks to promotion. I mean, that's something we see a lot with the clients that we work with, and being able to take care of those things for people is hugely valuable. But not everyone hires a firm or wants to have a third party doing tasks that they would rather manage in-house. So Alex is here today to chat about how he approaches solving these types of problems and how to think about the different task areas in your podcast as it grows. And he's sharing a little bit about his next project as well, which I find extremely exciting. So this was a great conversation, lots of really great stuff about project management and workflows and how to take kind of a tech and systems thinking approach to the work and planning and management that you do around your podcast. And that's what we're talking about today on the Business Podcast Blueprint Show. Alex, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so glad to have you here. Megan, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here and to speak with you. Really excited about it. So to jump things off, let's see if you can remember through the sands of time, what was the first podcast episode that you ever heard? You know, it's funny. I'm not sure of the exact episode, but it was on... Nick Loper's podcast, Side Hustle Nation mm-hmm. is now what it's called. I think it used to be called Side yeah. Hustle School when I listened, but somebody, I was like, I want to start a side hustle. I don't even know what that means. And someone's like, oh, you need to go listen to this show. And I just went through probably in one day, three different episodes, and they're all like 45 minutes. But I just started learning from people who were doing it. And I wish I could remember the actual episode, but that is the show. And that's who I give credit to. And I actually just met him in person recently and gave him credit. I'm like, you're the first podcaster I ever listened to. So it was pretty fun. That must have been fun. How did he respond to that? He's a funny guy. I hope he hears this one day and is like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a funny guy. He was just kind of like, oh, cool. Thanks, man. And that's it. I wanted to like give him a hug, you know, <laughs> like I'm a little bit more animated than he is, I think. But I think I scared him a little bit. He's like, I have a fan. What is this? But anyway, he's done a great job and it was a really impactful show for me. Well, that's the whole thing with hosting, though, isn't it right? Because you're creating this content, but you're not getting the direct responses right. most of the time from your fans. And so your fans are listening and they they feel invested. They feel like they really, really know you. And so the, the relationship kind of builds non-sequentially, like it's different the way it builds on each side. It can be really fun to see how that happens. Like I said, I think I scared the guy. So anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So from listening to the first episode, Side Hustle School, you have become a quite a prolific podcaster and you're very involved in all things podcasting. So tell me about the first podcast you started and why did you begin it? Yeah. So years ago, I started a podcast that I've done a few of them. So I've done three total. The very first one, which you can't find anywhere. It's gone, thankfully. I had no idea what I was doing. It was shortly after hearing that show. I was like, oh, I want to do this. And I was just going to talk about blogging because that's what I was really into at that point. And I just, in my lightning fast mind, was like, I'll take my iPhone, which was at that point probably like an iPhone 5 or 4 or whatever it was back then. So I took that old phone and I started recording the car because I'm like, there's no echo in a car. And that was just a (laughs) terrible decision all around. The content wasn't good. The quality wasn't good. Thankfully, I was able to make it all just go away one day. Anyway, years later, fast forward. I was part of a multi-author blog and it was all faith-based. It was all like about Jesus and stuff. And I was the guy who was actually writing once a month, but also doing a podcast episode with them Mm -hmm. once a month. It was just me talking for 15 minutes. I actually ended up selling that 
whole thing later on. Like I was the founder of it and sold it, including the podcast. It still exists today, which is pretty cool. And anyway, so that keeps on going. But like the flagship podcast, when I was like, okay, I've, I've kind of like figured this whole thing out, was called Creating a Brand. And I've since rebranded it, but the feed is still active and every week has an episode coming out. But yeah, so I started creating brand back in June 2nd, or maybe July 2nd, 2019, and launched that. And it just did really well at that point. I kind of knew how it worked, but that was kind of like my first legit weekly show that had an audience and stuff like that that I just really, really fell in love with. It must have been fun. And so why do you think that became successful? What made it take off? Were you like, was right place, right time? Were you doing something particularly brilliant? Kind of what do you suspect it was? I'd love to say I was brilliant, but that's definitely not the case. I mean, could be. <laughs> Maybe I stepped into it a little bit. Here's the thing. I was brilliant without realizing it. Two things. A little bit of luck was involved because mm-hmm. right when I launched the podcast was the same week that Apple launched the entrepreneurship category. And oh, nice. literally, I can't say it was the first show in there, but I was the top rated entrepreneurship podcast in Apple when I launched. I got featured in a bunch of categories, three, mm-hmm. and like I was on New and Noteworthy. And it's just because when I launched, I was literally probably one of the first people in the world to see that that existed and just happened to be right place, right time. There's no way to say that. So it really took off fast. But I think the actual content itself was good. And that's what kept people listening. And it was good because I was curious. I wasn't Mm -hmm. trying to be a good podcast host. I know that sounds crazy. All I was trying to do was learn what I wanted to learn, which was how Mm -hmm. to leave a nine to five job and become an entrepreneur. So I was talking to people who had successfully gone from a traditional corporate job into being a full-time entrepreneur. And I was just asking them very curious questions to learn for myself. And we just happened to be recording. So again, not realizing it, maybe that was a genius way to go because I wasn't trying to be that guide. I was the person being helped when I started. And it really mm-hmm. worked wonders for me and really helped a lot of other people as well. So there was a lot of like really good stuff coming together then. Because I mean, yeah, you can have all the luck in the world, right? And the best timing possible. But unless the content's really good and really hitting home with people, it's not going to make a difference. And yeah, approaching it from you're putting yourself on the level with your audience and we're going to learn this together is a really great way to connect with people and kind of pull that content out for them. So that's, that's marvelous. Yeah, it worked really good. A little level of humility goes a long way with people, doesn't it? It really, really does. So you now your latest podcast. Yes. So that was called Creating a Brand. And I actually ended that show at the beginning of 2022 and moved it into, changed the name of the feed. So all those episodes still exist. There was 158 mm-hmm. Creating a Brand episodes that you can still go back and listen to and they still get a ton of listens for sure. But from 159 on, the feed is now called Podcasting Made Simple. And that's just because I really stepped into podcasting full time. Mm-hmm. It's funny, like to be an entrepreneur, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to learn how to do it. But I actually fell in love with the podcasting space. So along the way in that journey, I went from wanting to be an entrepreneur to becoming an entrepreneur that focused on podcasting. So my whole audience is podcast guests and hosts. And because of that, I decided it was time to go away from just a general entrepreneurship show and turn it into a, this is how you podcast on either side of the mic type of show and furthering that craft. So yeah, Podcasting Made Simple is the current show we do. And it's it's once a week, just like it was when it was creating a brand, but it's doing really well. And actually the show has grown a lot. And it was already, I like to think a fairly decent sized show. So it's just really cool to be able to see. So I like how you kind of almost worked your way backwards into having a niche. Yes. A right? lot of the entrepreneurship advice is, you know, pick your niche first thing, first, first thing. You got to do that first. It often isn't as effective as actually just exploring, learning a lot, and then seeing what is the best fit. Yeah, that's wisdom right there. Yeah. Yeah, no, fantastic way to approach it. So I guess as a podcaster for so many years and being in the industry, working with the different tools available, you discovered several problems. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so you have all, everything we are about to talk about, friends will be linked to in the show notes. You have a whole bunch of different softwares, tools, communities for 
these podcast hosts and podcast guests. What were some of the first problems as a podcaster that you decided you wanted to solve? Yeah. So going back to becoming like learning to be an entrepreneur, the best advice I was given was find a community or a group that you're passionate about and then find problems that they're facing and offer solutions to those problems. Help them solve those problems. And that's what I decided to step into. And again, I fell in love with podcasting. So I'm like, this is the community I want to serve. And the very first issue I saw the podcasting industry was facing was one that I faced. So when I started my show, I was a corporate guy, right? And I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I was like, all right, let me go to my network and see who I know that can come on this show. I knew three entrepreneurs total. <laughs> so I knew a bunch of corporate people and they were great, super smart people, fantastic mm -hmm. individuals, but they weren't the right fit for what I was wanting. So I had those three people on and then I asked all three of them, hey, would you come back? And then I said, would you come back again? And they're like, dude, you need a bigger network, right? And thankfully, again, like going back to like the luck side of it, I launched at the right time, did a good job with the show and people started reaching out to me to be guests. And I don't mm -hmm. think that happens to most people, especially that early on. I'm very thankful for that and it helped me actually continue producing content. But I never forgot that issue. And so when I decided I'm going to solve a problem for podcasters, I just asked. I was speaking at an event in 2020. It was in Orlando, Florida called PodFest. I got off stage and I just asked people what they're struggling with. And a bunch of people said the same thing, having trouble finding guests for my show or having trouble identifying the next ideal guest. Like there's all mm -hmm. different ways they verbalized it. But basically, I went home knowing, okay, there's an issue there. Can I help podcast hosts find guests? And there are like the booking agencies and stuff. And those are really good. And they, they just don't always work for newer podcasters. They want yeah. more established. I'm like, there's got to be something for the indie podcasters, the independent podcasters, the small voices like mine. Mm -hmm. And that's how we created what's called Podmatch. And for lack of a better term, it's like a dating app, but for podcast guests and hosts to connect. It works automatically. You can message each other. You can pass. All those things can happen right there inside of our program. But that was the first problem that I set out to really solve and kind of how we did it. And so, I mean, you know, a lot of people obviously run into the problem of finding guests is hard, managing guests is hard, creating those relationships is hard. But you just went out and built a whole software platform right. yeah. to solve yeah. the problem. So what kind of made you think that was the best way to go about it rather than, you know, what's the process a little bit more? How did you kind of think, you know, I really do need to start a whole software and become a dev to solve this problem? Yeah. So that's a great question. Actually, Megan, it's crazy. I, I don't think I've ever been asked that question before. People are just like, you built this software. It's amazing. I don't recommend people doing that. Necessarily. <laughs> but, like, it's, it was a big thing that you took on there. <laughs> yeah. Know? So again, going back to like our network, somebody I'd known my most of my adult life, he's still, he was in my wedding. I was in his wedding. Like I've known this guy forever. Yeah. His name's Jesse. And he's actually my co-founder and he is a developer. I am still to this mm -hmm. day, not a developer, but basically I started talking to these people and I just did some manual connecting myself to see if that would even work. And I always recommend to people like prove the concept before you start building something. Prove that the concept's actually going to work because many people, they just like, I'm going to build this and it's going to be great. You don't know that yet. So you want to start trying it. And so the people that I met that happened to have 100 people in my network at this point, they were podcasters asking them, hey, this person looks like a good guest. Are they? And what information do you need from people? And people are like, oh, I mm -hmm. need a whole media one sheet because I'm asking in 14 different emails for pictures, for bios, for where I should link, all these different things, right? Like previous episodes they've been on. And so we built like a media one sheet and we said, hey, does this person look good, right? We were matching people fairly manually and just realized this would make a great software. We proved the concept. So we launched MVP, minimal viable product. Even when we launched the software itself, we didn't have a logo on it. Like it was all text-based. It was ugly, Megan. It was like, <laughs> it was not pretty. You did not want to see it. But the thing is, it worked. And that's why I asked people, like people were like, well, you should really get a logo. I'm like, that's not the question I'm asking you. Does this work? Is it solving the problem mm -hmm. that you have? And people were like, well, yeah, it's doing a really good job. I'm like, great. Now we can focus on continuous improvement. So yeah. instead of just saying, 
oh, this, let's make it really pretty first, right? Let's get a really nice logo. Let's do all this. And then later on, trying to determine if it works. Like we just did the opposite, which I think is a better way to do things. So I know this is, you know, business podcast blueprint. Like the whole idea of the blueprint is following the right success path, which is yeah. spending as least money as possible, getting it out to people as quickly as you can. And that's exactly how we did it. So I don't recommend people starting with software, work your way to that. And I still do that with every idea before I launch it. Instead of just being like, let's launch something. We do an alpha test as manually mm-hmm. as we possibly can, spending no dollars. I'm not against spending money. Just if we can't do it for free and it's more complex problem than that, it's probably not one I want to solve anyway. Yeah. And the name of the person who talks about this is escaping me right now. But the, the do stuff that doesn't scale first, you know, do yes. it manually, prove the concept, whatever you have to do to actually make sure that people are willing to step up and buy it, do that first and then move on. So a fantastic origin story for the software for Podmatch. And it's funny, I, I get shown Podmatch all the time. Oh, have you seen this? Have you seen this? <laughs> From our clients and, and family members. It's a lot of fun. I love so that. So it's getting out there more and more. That's great. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. And so after Podmatch, you know, plainly one software company is not enough for a busy podcaster. So <laughs> what came next? And was there something about making Podmatch that made you think, oh, we should do this again? Podmatch has done really well, and I'm very thankful for that. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't necessarily it. It was still just the drive for like, how can we solve problems for people? And I like to think I'm good at staying very focused on the one main thing that you need to do. And some people are like, man, you're going to do another software. That's crazy. I'm like, well, it serves the same person. It's not mm-hmm. really me stretching myself thin because I'm still talking to the same one person who needs it. There's not two. That's why even my podcast is podcasting made simple. So like the show is one person. Podmatch is one person. Everything we do is that same individual, basically. And, you know, obviously it varies a little bit. But when I decided to do another product, we did the same thing. We decided to find the problem. And the way I found the problem was people leaving Podmatch. And I was like, man, hosts are joining and six weeks later they're leaving. And I told Jesse, I'm like, there's something wrong with our software. People are not liking it. And I'm like, I'm going to talk to as many of them as I can to find out why. So I reached out to people and over six or eight month time, I'm not exactly sure the time, I was a little blurry because I talked to almost a thousand different podcasters that had left. And there was the, the 1% that are like, just didn't work for me. And there was a handful that were like, ready just to cuss me out because they hated it, right? Like, of course, those people existed. But 99% of the people said the same thing. It's like, I'm not leaving Podmatch. I just stopped my podcast altogether. And as I identified that, I started getting smart after I heard that about 100 times. I'm like, hold on. There's another problem here. Why are people leaving podcasting? Like, what's wrong? There's many reasons. I'm not going to dive into all those right now. And Megan, you, you know all of those reasons. But one of them... <laughs> was the stress and the lack of organization that was causing stress yeah. in people. And say so just like, I just can't handle this too much. And I was like, well, let me start recommending Asana and Trello. Like those are great platforms. And the thing is, they're the really good platforms if you've already used them. But when I was sending to people that were already overwhelmed, and then I sent them something that has 20,000 different things, they're like, I'm already overwhelmed. I'm not going to learn this. So we just built what we call Podcast SOP. And that stands for Standard Operating Procedures. And to way oversimplify it, Jesse, my co-founder, would kill me if you heard me say this. It's a glorified checklist that you create for your podcast. And it's more than that. I feel bad for even saying that. But basically, it's going to help you from like, find the guest, edit the episode, like record the episode, edit the episode, and you build that out, but in a way that you can just stay very organized in one place. Because I found that so many podcasters were just keeping it all in their head. And the famous productivity expert, David Allen, always says that your head is for having ideas, not for storing them. And so many of us were just storing them in our mind instead of putting it on paper somewhere or if they were, they're putting on sticky notes, Excel spreadsheets, whiteboards, everything, right? It was to get it all in one place and help out. And that was the next problem I wanted to solve. And again, it didn't spread me any more thin because it's the same group of people I was already serving, just saying, hey, 
if you're having trouble staying organized as you're doing these interviews, mm -hmm. here, use this tool to help you as well. And so it was a natural extension of what we were already doing. And it's such an important one too. Among like our clients, the people we produce for, our average kind of tenure of someone podcasting is 18 months to two years. And I think a big part of that is, I mean, we provide a good service, but also they don't have to do any of that. They don't have to figure out when guests are coming or when things are going live or where all the bits and pieces are. That's part of what they're paying for with third-party production service. But someone who's working on it as an indie, managing the process themselves, it's one of the biggest unknowns when someone's getting into podcasting is just how much admin work it's going to be to keep a show going every single week. The number of moving parts, especially if you're adding repurposing, social, guest kits, it can be a staggering amount of work. So since you've like, created this tool for people to use, and it, it is highly customizable, which is really cool. So you, you can let people make their own really perfect templates for what they're doing week to week. Have you seen a lot less drop-off in Podmatch? Has it, has it worked? Yes, it has. I'm glad you asked that. Yes, it has. I'd love to say it's just totally gone away. That's just not the case. At the end of the day, my goal was to help the industry 1%. Still this day, it's to like help 1% less people pod fade, as it's called. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you all do such a good job at that, like an incredible job. I mean, to, to think that you're on the low end averaging it like 18 months, people sticking with it, that could be a full run of a podcast. And that, yeah. if it's a company, that may accomplish every goal they had set. And I just think there's something to be said for that consistency. So I love the fact that your company has just absolutely crushed it. So thank you for what you're doing. And we're not at that level yet, but we are getting there with for these indie podcasters they just aren't quite ready to work with you. And my hope is always they, they can reach out to Megan one day, right? And basically <laughs> like, hey, I'm ready like for the big leagues. But obviously, a lot of us, as we get started as a hobbyist and stuff, it, you would even tell them, hey, that makes sense yet. And that's what this tool exists for. And we have seen it help. It's not at the level yet where I want it to be, but we are seeing that it is helping alleviate some of that stress and therefore keep people in the game a bit longer. So I'm very happy with the result thus far. We'll be right back in just a moment. And now back to the show. Part of what you're doing really is almost teaching that systems thinking to someone who may have never encountered it professionally before. You know, because exactly. if you've worked with a bunch of different product project management systems, you can figure out a project management system that's going to work for a new thing that you start. But if you never have, if you're coming from a totally different industry or you're approaching it from a hobby and you're like, great, I'm going to have like my permaculture podcast, where are you even supposed to begin to look? You don't even know it's a problem. So I, I love that you're answering a problem a lot of people didn't know they have until they have it. And then they're like, oh no, what do I do? Oh good, I can go here. And right. I assume it integrates perfectly with Podmatch or is that still on the, uh, the horizon? It's still a work in progress. That was a lot more work than I thought. And let's put it this way. We're still on like a, a beta of that, mm -hmm. testing it, working with people. Anybody can go up, get into it. But I'd still consider it in beta before we do like all the integrations and stuff. But we have plans to do all that. But like you said, I, I even tell people like I had somebody talk to me just yesterday about it. And she goes, oh, this looks so cool. She's like, I'm really good at Trello, but I, I think I'll give this a shot. And I just told him like, don't. And she was like really shocked to hear me say that. I'm like, don't. I'm like, if you're using Trello and you know how to use it really well, you're already accomplishing what you need to. There's no reason to add another tool if you already know what you're doing. And I, I told mm -hmm. her, I'm like, this is for people that don't know those tools, but want to stay organized with their podcast. And I was like, it's, it's just not for you. And she was like, wow, I really appreciate like the honesty of it. Like, you're not just trying to make a quick buck. I'm like, no, I'm here just to help solve that problem that my indie podcaster might have. And yeah, we'll have more businesses come out of it as well, right? Like more things will happen to solve those little problems. I love that. Honesty will get you everywhere. Yep, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So is there a relationship currently between Podcasting Made Simple and the softwares that you're creating, the membership, the communities that you're building around it? How do they impact each other? Yeah, so Podcasting Made Simple was a natural change, like I said, to moving away from entrepreneurship because 
Podmatch, Podcast SOP, and then we have a Mighty Networks community, which we just mm-hmm. call the PodPros community. We had all these things. And we we're getting so many educational questions. And Megan, between you and me, I'm not qualified to answer most of these questions that were coming up. I know that feeling really well. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad I'm not alone. Because like you, people look at you as like a podcasting expert and you for sure are. But the thing that people don't realize is just because you're a podcasting expert doesn't mean that you know all of the things. Like we have mm-hmm. a bench behind us of people that really help us to know these things. And so for me, we're getting asked so many educational questions that, again, I was not qualified to answer. And that's when I was like, you know what, if we're going to have this community and we're going to continue to build products and services out of this and and serve this group, we need an educational element as well. Now, the education all exists, but if people are in your ecosystem, they just really resonate with you well, you Mm -hmm. should offer something like that. And so for us, the podcast itself always pushes people back to our live quarterly, or I should say virtually live and like events that we do every quarter. But the whole thing is just to answer the questions that we're hearing a lot of. And I bring on the experts in those spaces of people that can really answer them in a way that I never would be able to, and nor should I try. It's their lane. And so we just kind of introduce community members to each other. Like this is the expert on speaking in sound bites for a guest wanting to learn how to do that or someone who's wanting to do like organic growth of their podcast audience. We bring someone in for that. And they're people that are in our ecosystem. So it's just kind of like a self-feeding thing, but it gives us the opportunity to be able to educate the community as a whole, which I believe a rising tide lifts all boats, right? So it's just really helping us all level up in a big way. Marvelous. So when you are using the podcast as a vehicle to create this education and to provide this education, does it right now exist just on the podcast or are there different kinds of repurposing that you're doing with that content that you're collecting? How are you distributing it once you get it? Yeah. So let's put it this way. Under the podcast, I do like the top level stuff, but I could really use some help. Again, just being fully transparent here on all like the social side of things. But what we do is actually starts as a video Mm-hmm. And that video is streamed live to during our quarterly event, so Pod Pros Quarterly. And then it's repurposed into a podcast episode, a YouTube mm-hmm. video, and like an SEO-ready blog post. So it's not like yeah. a transcription, but it's pretty close to it, but just kind of like all ready to go. And then from there, we share it on social and stuff. But we could probably do a lot better on that front, you know, breaking into like smaller videos because we got the video, right? And like we mm-hmm. could probably do all that a little bit better. But that's kind of like the progression of all. It starts as that live, that video that's streamed live and then turn into all those different pieces of content. Repurposing is, is like advertising. You can spend as much money and time as you want to on it. Like yes, there's you the could. sky's yep. the limit yep. when it comes to, to how much you're going to invest there. That's awesome. And so within the, the show itself, or maybe even within your suite of softwares, what are you really tracking and optimizing for, if anything, in terms of what you want to be improving or what you want to be working on or what metrics mean success or failure or, or need to pivot to you? The most important metric as a whole, so Pod Pros as an organization, mm-hmm is to help less people pod fade. So we want to keep more people in podcasting. On either side of the mic, so we have guests, just like hosts, who give it a shot. They're on three shows and then they just leave, right? We want to mm-hmm. help keep those people involved. So that's like my big overarching goal because ultimately content that gets actually published and goes live is what serves the world. And we're all about serving the world. So the more of that content that goes out to serve the world is a win for us. And so bring that a little bit smaller, When we look at podcast SOP, the one metric I track is how long someone stays on it because I want to see if it's increasing the average. So that's all I'm looking at. I'm not looking at how many episodes they're releasing necessarily. I'm saying, okay, are they, well, I shouldn't shouldn't say, are they consistently releasing episodes on what they said? Like, not are they going, turning into a daily show or anything? I'm not looking at that. Just are they sticking with it? And then on the Podmatch side, I look at, it's literally on the homepage of Podmatch. Like you can see Mm -hmm. this, it shows the total number of members, but more importantly, that total number of members is how many interviews total have happened through Podmatch and how many of them have happened in the last 24 hours. 
And it's funny. I told Jesse, I'm like, just put it on the homepage. I think everyone would like to see it. I'm like, and honestly, I don't want to look at dashboards full of data. I'm like, that's literally what I care about. And if those numbers are climbing, then I'm going to be really happy. And so that's basically what I look at on those two softwares is those things. So like, are you consistently continuing to podcast and are interviews happening? Again, not just on that global level, but also in the last 24 hours, like what's going on really? And that's what I'm, how I'm tracking things right now. Oh, I love that. Is there anything you're tracking for your own podcast? I should say yes, but not really. You're the boss of your podcast. You don't Thank you. I appreciate that. You don't Thank you. <laughs> Some people are like, you don't look at your analytics. I'm like, no, I don't. But the way I track it is when I'm in conversation, I'm not one to just throw the links out there like really fast. Some people are like, you need to listen to my podcast. Here's the link, right? Mm-hmm. I'm more so having a conversation and three or four threads back and forth deep. I'll say, hey, what you're talking about actually really resonates with this episode. Here's a link to it. Yeah. And what I gauge as a win for my show is when I get a response saying that's exactly what I needed. Or like, this is so good. I just reached out to the person who was talking on the episode. That to me is a win. And that's really what I track at the end of the day. I probably should log in, look my analytics at some point. I just haven't done that in a long time. Downloads can only tell you so much, right? Correct. The big thing with One Stone Creative is, you know, track things that actually matter. By and large, that's not going to be downloads, especially if you're podcasting in some way associated with the business. It's the right people, not the, not the number of people. 100%. That'll preach right there. I love that. <laughs> well said. Thank you. Thank you. So well, let's talk a little bit about the kind of the people who are listening to this show. They are going to be podcasting or already are for their businesses and they're supporting you know, a business that exists, or, you know, the situation that you're in. So what would you advise someone who's thinking about getting started? Should we podcast? Is this going to be a good move for our business? What are some of the things you think people should be thinking about when they're in the should I start a podcast phase of the journey? Yeah, the first thing I'd say is to get really familiar with it. Because I think many people jump into podcasting, especially from a business perspective, whether it's an ind- individual who's like doing it for a business move or an actual organization, because podcasting is trendy. It's like showing up in TV shows. It's, you can barely even turn on TV now without it being referenced in stuff these days, right? So it's a trendy thing. But so few people I find actually know much about it. And many people are like, we should do a podcast. Haven't actually even listened to many podcasts. Like you should really like make sure you like the medium. I will say this. I don't think it's the easiest of content creation mediums by far. I think there's many easier ways to like get your name out there. Maybe I don't think they're as powerful, as deep as a podcast is, but it depends on what you're looking for. So first thing I always say is just, hey, make sure you actually listen and do a little bit of research as to what it takes or talk to an expert like Megan and let her explain like what's really involved in podcasting. So you can kind of get a feel for it like, oh, shoot, I don't want to do all that is what you might be saying, right? <laughs> and I've heard that many times when people start getting into it. Past that, I think it's really important that you have a, a why. So when you understand podcasting, mm-hmm. like, why do you want it now? Who is it going to be for? What's the purpose of it? Is it to drive new business? Is it to get more marketing leads? Is it to educate your current clientele? What is that big reason behind it? Without being clear on that, it's going to be really hard for you to succeed in podcasting because you don't have a true metric. And if you just say, well, it's to get a big audience that doesn't help your business. Like having a big audience doesn't do anything, right? If you're saying, oh, I want more sales, then you should figure that one out. Or if it's just for marketing, getting our brand out there, you need to, again, have that idea in mind. And then past that, I always recommend if you have somebody on your team, like let's say you're a big organization or even it's just you, and you're going to be the person doing the podcast or on it, maybe start off guesting on a few shows, get out there and just see how this feels naturally. People, are they receptive to your brand and what it is? Because not all brands are created equal. It wouldn't necessarily work. Here's the thing. Unless I'm, I could be totally wrong on this, but if you're like an AC person or a plumber, you have a very valuable business in today's world. Like that is a trade that is rapidly growing. I don't know if it makes for a good podcast or if it makes for a a good, even you being a guest, like you maybe have some funny stories, but in general, like I don't necessarily want to listen to an AC related podcast. Even if I need a new AC, that's not where I'm going to go for that type of education. 
So it's just important to think, okay, maybe I'll be a guess a few times and see if it's actually received correctly. So those are kind of my thoughts. I know I'm a little little rant there, Megan. I hope that was okay. No, I, I like that. It was all very good stuff. I couldn't agree more with you about the importance of having that why and you know making sure that it really is a, a genuinely good business fit because you know it not only is podcasting not among the easiest ways to do it's not among the cheapest true if you want to sound like you're doing it at a professional level either so it's that's a good point it's going to be an investment in a lot of ways which can be highly valuable you know where where an ac guy would be really interesting is on a, a local real estate or local business podcast that would be really interesting See, that's so smart. I need to be asking you the same question. <laughs> what are we missing? Like fill in a gap for us, if you don't mind, because that's brilliant. That is so smart. If I'm in Jackson, Florida, which is where I am, mm-hmm. find some real estate podcast, get on there and talk about like, yeah, and now my mind's just going crazy. I need to call up anyone I know in that space. Look at that. Good job. <laughs> and especially, you know, cities and communities, it would be so great to have like a podcast network or like a daily show just talking to different people in the area. I mean, I'd love that for Ottawa where I live. Right. So yeah. listeners, please get on that for your local region. <laughs> People want the content. Well, okay, we're about to wrap up. I would like to be respectful of your time, which I'm so grateful you have, have shared with me and us. But I'm very curious, what is the next podcast related problem that you are intending to solve? So the next one is one I'm actually really excited about because it took a while to figure this one out. But I realized that podcast hosts, the most coveted thing is Apple reviews in podcasts because it's Mm -hmm. like a written review. It's got a name on it. It's got the star rating, all that. And I actually really discovered that guests are interested in that as well because it's really the only metric they can see. And so some guests are like, I want to be on shows with more than 10 reviews. And here's the thing. There can be a show with like hundreds and sometimes even thousands of listeners and they've never mentioned for their audience to leave a review. So they just haven't. Or if it's not in the same country because Apple only shows you reviews that are in the same country as you. And there's ways around that, of course. But the average person who's just a a listener wanting to be a guest, they don't know that. So they could be looking up in Canada, but it's a US-based podcast and see there's only one review on this show. It can't be that big, right? So it's just like a problem and hosts love it. Like getting reviews is always like a really, again, coveted thing. They love it. They love sharing about it. And so I wanted to help hosts get more reviews. So I tried this with an alpha test. Again, not building any software. I just went in our Mighty Networks community, added a new group, added 150 people to it and said, hey, What I'm going to do is I'm going to put all of our names in a hat, pick out one name, whoever's name that is. We're all going to listen to that person's podcast and leave them a review. And everyone loved it. The first person who won was a guy who was like 12 episodes in, but he was really committed, which I love. Like he had a plan to do 52 episodes and we left him reviews and he went from zero reviews to however many it was, which is like a really cool thing for somebody so new to now look like they have like an established audience, right? From an outsider perspective. And we just did this every week, picked a new winner. And the way you got into the next strong was by leaving a review. So you'd listen, you'd leave a review. And after that was done, you'd get re-entered. Anyway, so we test this with an alpha. Like I said, super ugly. There was no name. There was nothing. But we decided that this is cool. We're going to build a software around this and offer this to people. And basically, it's just me podcast hosts listening and reviewing each other's shows. So it's like an integrity-driven review. Someone's actually listening to it. And here's the thing. I even talked to Apple, their development team on Apple Podcasts about it. They liked it so much, they gave us all their APIs and said, hey, here's how you can confirm someone listened. <laughs> I know, right? That's what I said. Here's how you can tell someone, listen, and here's how you can tell they left a review. You can tie it all in there to make sure it's actually happening before you're giving people the option to win another chance. Anyway, so that's the next thing that we're solving. I hope that that should come out late 2022, but I'm just really excited about it. We're calling it Pod Lottery, and it's just a fun, gamified thing for podcast hosts to hopefully be able to collaborate and get to know each other as well. But I think it'll be a really fun thing for us and help solve that next problem that, that we identified. Oh, that sounds fantastic. I can't wait till that is live. That sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun and really valuable for everyone who participates. So fantastic. If you would just say out loud for the listening public, 
where people can find some of this good stuff and connect with you online. Yeah, sure thing. Everything I do is at podpros.com, just podpros.com. You can find ways to contact me. You can see all the products and services, everything we do. But really, business podcast blueprint, like what you're doing here, Megan, is so powerful. I just encourage everyone to continue listening to this because this is going to continue to grow your craft a lot. So thank you so much for what you do and for having me here. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. So let's get into this week's question, which is, how do I evaluate pitches that I'm sent for guests to be on my podcast? So this is a really big one and it comes up all the time. When you start podcasting and especially when you start to build some traction, people are going to start reaching out to you to ask if they can be on your show. And it can be a little hard to evaluate the quality of these pitches. Some are going to be great and could be the start of a fabulous new professional relationship and other people just want to use your platform to promote their stuff. So a good podcast pitch from someone is going to include the following. How they know you and your show, how they heard about it, how they found you, if they have any kind of personal connection. It's going to include some evidence that they have listened to an episode, and hopefully it's going to have a specific thing or a few suggestions for what they want to talk about and why that is going to be valuable and interesting for your audience. Probably also going to include a little information about who they are and where you can learn more about them or hear them on other shows, which is all fantastic information to provide when you're pitching and things that you want to be looking for when you're evaluating pitches. So sometimes people have team members or even PR teams reach out to do their pitching on their behalf. And that is a strategy that can be really legitimate. There are great companies that do this kind of guest pitching on behalf of clients. And there are great experts and thought leaders who have team members who do this kind of legwork. But a pitch from a third party or a team member should have the exact same information as from the potential guests themselves. Personalized content, specific ideas about what they will share with your audience and why that will be valuable to them. You can delete with extreme prejudice any pitch that is super canned and totally impersonal. You should be able to tell they know you and your show specifically and are reaching out because it's a good fit or the start of a great relationship, not because you're a breathing podcaster. Basically, if it's totally canned and they don't mention what value they're going to bring to your show and your audience with details, you can ignore them. The interview will probably suck because the guest just has their talking points that they want to get out there anyway. Now, I'm sure there are exceptions to this, but if you're choosing between someone who took the time or directed their team or third-party service provider to take the time to reach out personally or a response that is canned, you know, go with the personal one. Always prioritize the people who make a little bit more effort. So it all comes down to being respectful and considerate and treating people as you would like to be treated and expecting other people to treat you the way you would treat others. So getting into the action step from this episode... I'm willing to bet that you are doing at least one thing manually now that you shouldn't have to. So the three principles of the Business Podcast Blueprint methodology are optimize, automate, and grow. And once your show is structured to be meeting your goals, you want to automate or delegate, those can really be the same thing or you know happen at the same time, as much as you possibly can. So take a few minutes today and look at your podcast process, from deciding on episode topics or guests, to recording, to editing or getting it to the people who edit, to the promotion work that you do on the back end. Try to find one element that you can automate with technology, delegate to a team member or third party, or maybe drop altogether if it's not serving you or is taking too much time and bringing you no joy. The easiest way to do this is to write down every single step in the process from beginning to end. And there are some flags that can indicate that you've got a really good opportunity to automate. So that's anytime files need to be moved, anytime something needs a review, or anytime someone needs to be notified. 
These are very often signals that there's a point in your process that can be automated, delegated entirely and take a little bit off your desk and get your systems doing more of the heavy lifting for that element. So if you've got a favorite podcast automation tool or tip, let me know. You can connect with us by filling out literally any contact form on onestonecreative.net or finding us on Twitter at onestonec. And hey, if you haven't checked out Podmatch yet, go give it a shot. It's a really great way to meet fellow podcasters in your space quickly and affordably. Go to podmatch.com. We've got no affiliate relationship. I just think it's a great tool and you should check it out. This podcast blueprint is created by the team at One Stone Creative, and I'm your host, Megan Doherty. We would love to help you with your show if that is something that you are looking for a little bit of an assist with. And if you like this show and what we're saying, you find it valuable, the best way for you to help us grow it is to share an episode with someone that you think could benefit from some of what we talked about. Thank you again, and until next time.